Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Out of the Woods. My name is Justin, and his name is Matthew. <laughs> really kept me waiting in suspense there. Yes, it is. And this is Out of the Woods, a Yellow Jackets podcast focusing, as the title might imply, on Showtime's Yellow Jackets. And oh, boy, do we have an episode for you tonight, listener. This is going to be a good one, and I'm pretty sure it's also going to be a long one. But uh, just before we begin with that, Matthew, uh, how are you feeling? Fan-fucking-tastic, as usual. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Uh, I'm pretty good, too. I've just been recently working through the films of the Thai director Apichapong Wirasetakul. Uh, can you say that in English? I believe in English you're supposed to be referred to as Joe. <laughs> ah, that, that's a lot less hard to presumably say. for that very reason yeah they're they're really beautiful films that really showcase the landscape and forests of like of a uh, nabua in thailand and have themes of like spirituality and animals and reincarnation there's is i can it, is that kind of in the vein of uh samsara and koya Nisquatsi or i would say a bit more narratively tied down than those but still definitely in the same universe okay doki no they have more of a clear story but they do have a similar sense of lackadaisical surrealism and slow-pacedness but yes uh, i can't really relate them to yellow jackets and all but the most cursory way but you should really watch them anyway because they're fucking great uh you've been watching anything interesting lately my friend you mentioned you're yes. watching that show mr mercedes i have indeed been with uh brendan gleason he's a very fun actor i uh enjoy him in in bruges as well <laughs> it's a good movie very good movie as a, as a serial killer bloke who runs people over or something yeah, uh, that's one of the first thing he does in the show. I think he runs down a bunch of folks in a Mercedes that doesn't even belong to him. <laughs> that really is adding insult to injury. Yeah, I know, right? Mm. But Apart from that, though, it is a very good show. Very gory, not for those who uh, don't like gore. Well, I'm sure that relatively few of those people listening to this podcast, except for one, who uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> who is a very valued listener indeed. And in fact... Let us close out said season and finally answer some of the questions that that one listener has been clamoring for, because we are going to cover episode 10 of season one of Yellow Jackets, the season finale, the last ever released content. When we are done with this, we will be fully caught up and in the present. Exciting. Until season two. Yes, but that probably won't be for a while. Uh, episode 10, Sick Transit, Gloria Mundi. Written by Ashley Lyle, Bart Nickerson, and Catherine Kearns. Directed, this is interesting, by Eduardo Sanchez of the Blair Witch Project fame. That was a, that was a pretty good get for them, wasn't it? I guess so. Do you, do you like uh, the Blair Witch Project? Uh, wouldn't be my first port of call. Wouldn't, I, I, well, I, I enjoyed it overall, but I would have to agree it is not like my favourite movie ever, but I, I enjoyed it. So yeah, um, before we get into it, uh, let me warn as I always do, well, I usually do, this is not... Repeat not, a spoiler-free podcast. You have been warned. 
The title of this episode is a Latin phrase said upon the anointing of a new pope. It translates to, thus passes the glory of the world. Specifically of this world as contrasted against heaven. Hmm. How interesting. So yeah, this episode. While I don't think it's quite as good as its predecessor, the uh, the Doomcoming episode, I don't think it quite reaches that level. It is still a really excellent finale. I really enjoyed it. It's got a lot of great moments. Matthew, do you do you concur? Yes, yes, I concur. I concur. Good. I, I like the climax. It's very climactic. climactic. <laughs> How did you know I was going to say that? Uh, you figure out a few things. Anyway, now, just before we get into the episode, uh, addendum. This whole uh, podcast, I've been saying that, like, oh, nobody cares about state politics. I want to make something clear. You should care about state politics. Oh! Like, the state senate is very important, uh, particularly in the US. You guys have got your midterm elections coming up, which I'll be following closely, because I'm a US politics obsessive. And, you know, state state elections are also important. Even here in Australia, people neglect the state politics, which they shouldn't. It, it's really vital. The state and local politics are the ones that you're, like, interfacing with more often in your daily life, so you should be more invested in them. All I was merely saying is that currently most people do not. So yeah, that done, moving on. Excellent. We open the episode, and we hear creepy chanting music, the kind that is going, Much in the vein with the rest of the series. Very much so. As the camera pans over an oddly serene-looking Lottie waking up from her slumber on the forest floor. Likewise, panning over Shauna and Mari, I have to say I love the latter's sheepskin cloak, they all wake up, bewildered. Uh, Lottie's expression is difficult to read. Shauna picks up the knife that in the previous episode she almost stabbed Travis with. Her expression suggests confusion, shock, and regret. I think it's one of the situations where it's like, ooh, maybe if none of us talk about it, it didn't happen. Yeah, we've been we've been there, haven't we? Something to, to be said for the approach of just pretend it doesn't exist unless it goes away. That has been Shauna's approach for the past 25 years. And my 27. <laughs> yeah. Cut to the present and modern Misty is walking down a hospital corridor holding a tote bag with a picture of a raven in a business suit and a top hat featuring the caption, Don't ruffle my feathers. That's so chuggy, mm. to use the term. Misty is a legend. She looks into the room of her former charge, Gloria, and sees two nurses, one of whom, fun fact, is a cameo of show creator Ashley Lyle, shout out, uh, clearing out Gloria's stuff. And Misty is all like, oh no, Gloria? When? And they're like, yeah, no, she had a stroke last night. And they're like, she was so young. And she was uh, 89. <laughs> you have, you've seen the show Dairy Girls, right? Uh, I've seen at least a bit of it. You sort of maybe made the right call there, because the third season I thought was pretty disappointing. It was um, not as good as the first two. Yeah, anyway, anyway. How long can you string out a couple of people making Being Irish conversation? Well, uh, judging by this podcast, 11 episodes. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a moment in that show where an extremely old nun dies in the room with them and they're accused of murdering her. And they're like, how old is she? It's like, she was 98. He's like, cut down in her prime. <laughs> Misty asks if they'll be having a service for Gloria, saying that she was like a daughter to her. Nurse Ashley Lyle does not know, so Misty will simply ask Kenny at the morgue, who apparently always has the 411. Misty informs the nurses that she just stopped by to grab her Tupperware. It has signs on it, aggressively warning others not to pilfer it. Lol. 
This is good. This is a detail I liked. She says, by ladies, despite the fact that the other nurse is clearly a dude. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've done that in various jobs I've worked where I've like been like, uh, by guys or whatever, and they're all females. That's usually the role of someone like hyper masculine, though. Like, yeah, you know, in a male dominated work, m- m- much like, hey, ladies, how's it going? Much, much like in uh, that large fellow in Michael Bay's terrible Transformers movie who gets into the spa and is like, step aside, ladies. Yeah, much what? much in the same area. Where the fuck do I remember that in such an awful movie? Yeah. Watch the watch the eighty six Transformers movie. That's a fucking masterpiece. Anyway. Well, at least it is compared to that. <clears throat> Misty walks out to her car. Nat is also inside said car. Nat asks her if she's planning on taking home leftovers. Lol. <laughs> Misty got oxygenated bleach, which apparently is harder for the cops to detect than regular bleach. It gradually transpires that Nat has promised Misty that she would go with her to the reunion in exchange for her help. That's very her. And... I feel like I just want to mention this now. Not going to go into too many details so that people don't cyberstalk us, but yeah, our our reunion is happening soon for our our 10 year anniversary. It sure is, and the turnout's apparently pretty rubbish, except for us two. Yeah, seemingly, well, there's actually a comment about that later on in this episode that that the 10 year reunion is not super cash money. Usually a bit of a fizzle. Indeed. Cut to Trav, washing his hands at the outdoor basin in the past and cleaning his neck cut with a rag. He is clearly repressing the horrible experience that happened last night and his emotions therewith. Nat appears on the scene and asks worriedly if he is okay. He's all like, yeah, why wouldn't I be? Uh, I can think of a couple of reasons, Travis. (laughs) And he's like, "Uh, I'm fine. Actually, I'm better than fine. I finally got laid, so I'm fucking great. Not to get out over my skis, but I think this is Travis being like, Please be mad at me. Please just be mad at me. I can take you being mad at me because that's what I think I deserve. If you keep offering me compassion, I will break down. And I cannot do that because I'm a big, strong macho male. So I'm just going to be a douche and push you away so I don't have to be vulnerable. I think you got the heart of it. Yeah, I've I've been there as a teenage male. You know, I've done that. Yeah, there's something to be said for bravado. <laughs> and something to be said not for it. Yep. Nat says that she doesn't care about what happened with him and Jackie right now. Uh, pause. Note the right now. <laughs> You'd have to imagine that's going to be at least somewhat of an issue going forward, particularly... Well, we'll get to that. Uh, she just needs to know that he's okay, which you know, is good. It's nice. Uh, she reminds him that they had a fucking knife to his throat. He's all like, I said I was fine, didn't I? Trav says that he's going to look for Harvey, who is not here. And Nat offers to help, and he says he doesn't want her help. Oh, poor Nat, man that's a shitty situation to be in cut to Shauna in the present overlooking Adam's corpse Ty opens the door to discover Misty and Nat on the other side she scoffs in response to this Misty is like well aren't we all a bunch of gloomy gusses who died Eh. no but seriously who is this guy (laughs) this is a good line and Shauna's like Misty really this is your big brainstorm and Misty's like, oh, I think what you mean to say is, hi, Misty, it's so great to see you after all this time. Thanks for swinging by and helping us cover up a murder. Shauna complains about the repeated use of that word, saying that she did not wake up this morning and plan to stab her creepy stalker boyfriend to death. One rarely does. Misty tells them to turn off their phones and tells Shauna to destroy her phone and also Adam's. Now, a slightly hackneyed comparison, but one you'll appreciate. Misty is basically the wolf from Pulp Fiction. 
Yeah, and what, and what was that joke that you said, um, like, some friends will help you... A friend will help you move, a good friend will help you move a body. There you go, that's the one. I stole that from Rich Hall on QI. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's like the dude in Pulp Fiction who's like, pretty please and a fucking cherry on top, now let's yeah, get yeah, started. I should have acknowledged that I knew exactly who <laughs> who we're talking about, played by Harvey Keitel. Yeah, oh god, that's a good character. Uh, I love that movie. It's a good movie. Not exactly a controversial take, but yeah, widely beloved and popular movie is in fact good. Yeah. yeah. Shauna, Misty says, you're the best with a knife, clearly. Uh-huh. Lol. So you'll handle the body. Silence. I mean, cut it up. <laughs> yeah, I suppose eating him would be one way of doing it. Eating him would be a good way to get rid of the body. But I think they've put that part of their lives behind them. For now. Anyway, uh, Nat offers to help Shauna with this task. A nice uh, olive branch, given her general dislike of her. Whereas Misty and Ty are on cleanup duty. And uh, Misty comments that he sure was a gusher. Lol. <laughs> yes, Nat and Shauna are dismembering Adam in the bathtub. Uh, I'm not an expert, but I don't think the kind of meat saw they have would be enough to slice through bone. I'm kind of on the other side of the camp. I reckon yeah. it would probably get through, but yeah, it might, it might take a minute. I don't, I don't know enough really to say. It is basically just an electric saw, albeit a very householdy one. Uh, Nat asks if she still remembers how to do it. And then Sean's like, yeah, it's just like riding a really gross, fucked up bike. Just, they're talking about dismembering and eating human beings. <laughs> just want to reinforce that fact. Probably Mari or Coach Ben, but we'll get into that. They saw him down for a bit. Nat is like, so after your boyfriend killed Travis, you didn't notice that he was acting weird? Shauna tells her that Adam was with her the day that Travis died, and Nat replies that he could have just been working with someone else. And then she goes, oh, I need to get my hands on his cell phone. I need to see his text. And then Shauna's brain goes into uh-oh mode at this suggestion. Because she's like, oh no, if she sees that, she'll know that maybe he wasn't actually an evil stalker. And then she's all like, oh, but maybe it's just a coincidence. You know, it's, it's all just a coincidence. And maybe Travis did just actually kill himself. And she's like, all this time you've been looking for some big conspiracy. What if the truth is that we're all fucked in the head from what happened to us? And you're searching for answers that don't exist. And yeah, to be clear, this is Shauna trying to cover her ass, but I do also think she is speaking genuinely. She refuses to give up this line of questioning. Shauna says that she knows what it's like. She speaks of the numbness, the paranoia. Sometimes I look at the world around me and it's like all the light has just gone out of it. Maybe Travis couldn't stand to live like that anymore. And maybe you need to start trying to forgive him. Fuck me, that's heavy, dude. Now uh, we pan over to Ty and Misty, and Ty says that, and here I thought the worst thing that was going to happen to me this week was losing the election. And Misty says, well, I voted for you, and I only registered so I could get jury duty. <laughs> it's it's quite strange for someone to set out to actually yeah. get jury duty. There's, there's a video back in the day on YouTube of, like, shit nobody says, and that could be a candidate for shit nobody says. You know, there's people at my work that have such a... You can probably identify this yeah. with this. Uh, like, uh, such a large pile of books that they want to read. Yes, I can identify that. They would almost, yeah, voluntarily get stranded on a desert island just yeah. so that they would have time to read them. I do sometimes have thought, like, yeah, I, I don't want to be trapped in an old boy situation for the full 15 years, but maybe just, like, a couple of months just so I can get on top of things? Would yeah, that be so yeah. You, you leave, like, a satellite yeah. radio or something yeah. so that you can fucking... Call in a chopper or something to pick you up. Yeah, I'll tell tell everyone where I'm going and just 
catch up on all the books I'm supposed to read and shows I'm supposed to watch, which we'll get into books and shows and movies and stuff at the end of this episode. Yeah, just come and pick me up whenever I say I'm done. <laughs> Ty is weirdly warm with Misty in her demeanor in this scene, I, or at least more so than you'd expect. I think that even though she finds her sort of creepy and off-putting like every other human being does, she has to respect somebody who's good at what they do, and Misty is good at covering up murders. Yeah, they definitely called the right person. They did they ever. Misty tells them to bury the remains at Hacklebarney Park, a great name. She also packed up his books and clothes and stuff to make it appear as if he has merely gone on a trip. To make a PLL reference that you won't get, but some of our listeners will get, she Elliot Rollins Tim. I don't even get the, the acronym. Uh, 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 pretty Little Lies. Yeah. There's a new version of that. It's fucking atrocious. And that is coming from someone who liked the original. So <laughs> that is what we are called. But it's fucking terrible. Ty asks what will happen if a dog digs him up. Misty replies that it won't matter with just a torso because one need only worry about the head and hands. And Misty has got a plan for those. But what if he has a back tattoo? As Adam does. Huh, Misty? What then? You didn't think of that? Well, you just pull out the blowtorch and uh, go <laughs> well, yeah, but if not that bad boy. Well, they, but they didn't. No. You can't really do that after someone's already dug him up. Let me just have a look at that. Like, oh no, my blowtorch slipped. Ah. Maybe they're just hoping that after he decomposes enough, there won't be enough flush for the tattoo to remain. Let's hope so. I love how much Misty is enjoying this whole process and how much everyone else hates it. Uh, great. Oh, it's great when you get to put your expertise to work. Yeah, great scene. Cut to the past. Past Misty is sitting outside the cabin and is reading a book called The Magus. Ooh, that, which I looked up the summary of. It sounds very interesting. Maybe we'll uh, cover it on the pod. Oh, this scene. This scene is so fucking good, dude. Ben, Ty, and Van are huddled near the fire pit, looking a bit worse for wear, but otherwise fine. I kind of wanted to see Ty and Van working up in the woods beside each other. That would have been cute. Uh, Misty regards Ben tensely. Lottie, Shauna, Mari, and Akila stroll into view out of the forest, and still taking the thing of maybe if we don't talk about it, it didn't happen. Shauna asks if anyone has seen Jackie. Van and Lottie direct her attention to the porch, where Jackie is standing with her arms crossed, silently judging them. Another slightly necessary flashback to Shauna menacing Jackie and Travis. And Jackie is all like, I have nothing to say to you. And at this point, I wish Van had said, I wish that were true. <laughs> and he's like, to any of you, I mean, what the fuck? And, well, I should, I should ask you, Matthew, do you, you'd have to say that her judgment of them is valid, to at least to an extent. Like, they did almost murder a guy. What was the judgment in uh, regards to? Jackie, Jackie is angry with them for sexually assaulting and almost murdering Travis the previous night. Ah, yeah, when they were all high. Yeah, yeah, well, she doesn't know they were high yet. Well, no, and half the people who were high didn't know they were high, so I suppose, you know. Well, I mean, we'll get more into the ethics of that later, but yeah, while Jackie's judgment of them is somewhat based in pettiness, it is also fairly justifiable. Yeah, I wouldn't say they should just get a free pass. No, you wouldn't. the same token, you know, under the influence of some shit. Well, we'll get into that whole ethical debate. Mari shoots back with a, yeah, like, you're so innocent. And Jackie's like, hey, I'm not the one who went completely fucking insane last night. And Van is like, right, no, you were too busy screwing Travis. <laughs> ben steps in and is like, look, I'm sure we all said and did some stuff that we regret last night. He makes meaningful eye contact with Misty. On account of the shrooms? 
Important point, neither he, nor Van, nor Ty actually know about the whole trying to murder Travis thing at this point. Uh, Shauna is surprised by this. Van is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And yeah, they're like, oh shit, the broth. And Akila turns to Misty and is like, you drugged us? Misty's like, no, I didn't. Uh, okay, yeah, it was an accident. It, it, they were meant for Ben. Mari responds, oh my god, do you have any idea how crazy you are? No, I don't think she does. And Misty is like, there are my mushrooms, and you stole them to put them in your stupid soup. <laughs> I love how uh, Samantha Hirati pronounces stupid soup. Great line. I'm going to point something out here. Mari is 100% in the right. Her only crime was assuming that the food item that was left on the table, the table that the ingredients for the stew she was preparing on it, was in fact meant for the stew that she was preparing. A fairly reasonable assumption, because you would think, hmm, pretty easy mistake, yeah, Mark. Somebody probably wouldn't take in violently poisonous hallucinogenic mushrooms into the cabin, whereas Misty literally did intend to drug someone with psychedelic mushrooms against their will. They have every right to react negatively to her. And Misty says that Coach Ben tricked her into falling in love with him, and technically speaking, that isn't untrue. He did it because she is an insane psycho who poisoned him on multiple occasions, but it is still technically the case. Ben is exasperated by this, but this rather unproductive discussion is interrupted by Lottie saying, wait, stop. The group hears a rustling in the bush, and a fucking bear walks out? The yeah, what the fuck, by the way? Well, quite. I gotta point out, th this bear was horribly CGI'd. Like, yeah. did you, would you agree with that? Terribly obvious. Yeah, I can't generally tell when CG is good or bad, but this was not very good. Yeah, like, you can you can generally tell if, like, within the first moment or two of seeing it, you're like, just, something looks wrong about that bear, man. Yeah, uh, the bears in Skyrim are more lifelike. Yeah. Well, like, the bear in... Legitimately. The, 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 the bear in ASDF movie who was like, how did I get here? Is more Wolfman lifelike. The moon bear. How did I get here? The end. Ben tells everyone to stay calm. Mari is like, how the fuck are we supposed to do that? I love Mari. Mari is underrated. Ty quite reasonably asks, who has the gun? Akila replies that Natalie does. They saw her. I'm guessing she didn't see you, otherwise she might have used it on you. Lottie, I feel like at this point I would just be running into the cabin. <laughs> like, most of them are just running back onto the deck, but not into the cabin. I would just be like, yep, running into the cabin. And if you're not in there by the time I close the door, you're fucked. Yep, you're staying out there to get <laughs> Sorry. alive. Gotta take one for the team. Uh, Lottie, disturbingly calm, asks Shauna to hand her the knife. She does so. Lottie approaches the bear. Van tells her not to. Important that, again, Van looking out for her. She shushes her. Lottie approaches the bear. It lays down in front of her. And she stabs it in, like, the shoulder? I think the idea is that she got some some vital vein, but it still dies way too quickly. Oh, poor bear. It was, it was really... The bear looked really cute. I was sad to see it die. It would almost make more sense if she stabbed it in the spinal cord. Yeah, or yeah, or the, the, the brain, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the skull, yeah. Gerald the land bear. How did I get here? Get stabbed. The end. <laughs> Said in, in, in Michael Rosen voice. The end. <laughs> Solomon the cat. I, my brother, has a tiny cardboard lemon. I was born on the 7th of May. The end. <laughs> yeah, Courtney Eaton looks terrifyingly into this. Van looks, everyone looks fucking terrified and amazed and freaked out. Van looks amazed and maybe a little turned on. <laughs> like, okay. 
I'm just, you know that meme where it's like the guy and his girlfriend, but he's looking away from her at the yep, other girl. Yep. I'm, pi- I'm picturing that meme where the other girl is Ty and the guy is Van and the other girl is Lottie. <laughs> oh, by the way, their ship name, the Van and Lottie ship, is Parking Space. Because the van parks yeah, in the lot. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Do you prefer Votti? I'm sure you could come up with something a lot better than that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the, I think that will be an interesting thing to look at going forward. A rather bizarre on lap of the song Rump Shaker, a song about a man uh, stating his desire to zoom, 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 and a poom, poom. Whatever that entails. Yeah, no I, don't, I don't particularly like that song, and I think they should have just not had it and played generic music in that scene and spent the money that you spent licensing that song on CGIing a better bear. Yeah. Because the, the wolves were fine. Like, the, the wolves looked fine. Uh, let's not get into that. Uh, we see Jeff and Randy. Randy! Uh, hanging out because the song is playing at the Whiskeyock 25-year high school reunion taking place in some large sort of gym area. Well, at the at the high school. Duh. Randy is all like, what if they know it was us? Referring to the blackmail, of course. Jeff assures him that it's fine and tells him to act normal. I'm fucking joking here, dude. I've been in like a million conversations. Why can't I think of anything to say? That'll probably be me in a week and a bit's time. I feel like we shouldn't say when it is, because that will allow people to triangulate what high school we went to. Ah, let them try. <laughs> it's like the thing of people thinking that they're being spied on, like, it's narcissistic on some level to think that anybody gives a shit enough to work out what high school we went to. Exactly. So, the, the bit that I have to say is that apparently with the whole uh, voting thing, like, a bunch of people, like, you know, just do donkey votes, like, yeah. you know, they might write a penis in the box or something, and then they vote can, for the Well, that, that could be construed as a one. That's a yeah. vote for that guy. Yeah, yeah, they do that. They do that, yeah. yeah. What was the line in, in Saudi Rock where Kenneth is like, I only ever do a write-in vote for Jesus Christ. And then Jack is like, yes, those are Republican votes. We count those. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Adult Ali appears, played absolutely amazingly by Tonya Cornelis. Uh, she just she just nails this type of person. Uh, she was last seen at the pilot being interviewed by Jessica. She delivers an absolutely note-perfect performance of this kind of deranged narcissist who makes everything about her. Uh, she greets Jeff with an extremely cringy, Your hein-. She has, like, a really strong Jersey accent that I can't really do, and compliments his physique. Uh, it's like, you know, they, they's with the face tunes and the, you know, you can't always tell if it's real or not. That's a great try. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. And then Randy's on there, and he's like, Hey, Ellie. And then uh, she's like, a higher Randall. <laughs> Ouch. Jeff compliments the decor, and Ali says that she feels such a sense of responsibility, not just as class chair, but as a member of the team. I don't know if you know this, because she mentions it 11 million fucking times a day, but I was supposed to be on the plane that day. She talks about the high school reunion. She's like, 10? Who cares? 20? Everybody's busy with kids' careers. But 25? It's reunion paid, baby. <laughs> Which, yeah, not a lot of people are going to our 10th anniversary reunion, so apparently they feel the same way. Yeah. Cut to the coffin of poor old Mrs. DeGennaro going into the crematorium. Misty tells her daughter that she is sorry for her loss. I mean, I'm just devastated. She was like a mother to me. Which, if you think about it, kind of makes us sisters. Gloria's daughter is somewhat understandably nonplussed by this, and she's all like, I'm sorry, who are you again? And Missy tells her that she was her mother's nurse. 
Or, as I like to think of it, her guardian angel, uh, very cringy. Lydia says that Gloria was, you know, always smiling, always laughing. Well, not literally, of course. After the last stroke, she pretty much lost all control of her facial musculature, but you could still really sense her inner joy. That's a great line. The coffin burns, and inside is the box containing Adam's head and hands. Uh, as my partner pointed out, we watched this together. I guess the crematorium workers are just going to assume that Mrs. De Janeiro had an extra skull. <laughs> he, he was like that. Check. Either that or not check inside the box. But... Yeah. Uh, I guess they're going to assume that he was like that chick from Imprint or the dude from Total Recall who just had a smaller, tiny head. Hey, and sometimes, you know, you just got to make some alterations to fit him in the box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> To quote the show Corner Gas, uh, where the guy's making his own coffin, it's like, you know, hope I fit in this. He's like, oh, we'll stuff you in. Just make sure the sore is sharp. <laughs> yeah. Cut to Ty, Shauna, and Nat sadly returning to their apartments in that evening to, uh, in Ty's case, stand around repressedly pseudo weeping. In Nat's case, do their hair. And in Shauna's case, cry in the shower. Our main characters are a group of emotionally fucked up women, and I wouldn't have them any other way. Sean finds a package on her bed. Jeff gave her another dress. Cut to the high school. There's a pan over a Women Who Changed the World display at the Wiscayoke classroom featuring Hillary Clinton, of all people. The three women reconnoiter at the entrance to the reunion. Ty asks Sean if she is okay. And she's like, how is it possible that this is the most scared I've been all today? And then Ty impersonates a hypothetical, obnoxious former classmate being like, hey girl, it's been forever. What have you been up to? <laughs> and Sean was like, oh, you know, gardening, PTA, dismembering my lover's corpse. Oh, I love this show. Uh, Nat appears, they're shocked but happy, and they all walk in slow-mo into the reunion as the offsprings come out and play. Plays. I fucking love that song. Matthew, I'm guessing you didn't. No, I didn't, but uh, I didn't, like, hate it. Yeah, so. that's... that's we'll, somewhere in the middle ground. We'll count that as a win. Uh, many folk look over at them, which makes sense, given their celebrity status. Misty runs over to join them. Jeff looks over like, damn, my wife is awesome. <laughs> Allie walks over. The Yellow Jackets all visibly cringe at her. And uh, they all appear together in a delightfully awkward photo that is taken. We cut back to the past, where the Yellow Jackets be cutting up the bear carcass and preparing the meat in the fire pit area. Uh, Mari is wearing a rather fetching pink and teal wind cheetah that sort of makes her look like a G2 Transformer toy. This is also the garment that Misty was wearing in the Flash Forward in the first episode to the fucked up icy snow area. So just put that on the already pretty full list of things that make me think that Mari is fucked. Misty tries to help Mari, but the latter is like, yeah, right, like we're gonna trust you around the food. And she eventually just goes, oh my god, Misty, just get the fuck away. And as discussed before, she is entirely justified in doing so. Yeah, Alexa Alexa Barajas is amazing, as has Mari. She brings a lot to the character. Shauna is about to lick her bloody finger from all of the bear meat preparation they've been doing before Akila tells her not to. Yeah, Akila has really has the custody of the one brain cell in the group. <laughs> she is really carrying them. She really gets to decide what happens with that. Yeah. Cut to tie in the attic overlooking the scene out the window. Van enters, and Ty seems happy to see her. Oh, this scene. Oh, this scene, dude. This scene is so good. Ty cringes a little, as Van is still wearing the bone necklace, but she moves past it. Ty motions for Van to sit next to her, but she stands her ground. 
very interesting. And Ty is like, talk to me. And Van is like, why? So you get to tell me how dumb I am? Not exactly unfair for Van to assume that based on your past track record, Ty. He's like, yes, yeah, so I get to tell you how dumb you are. Is this your first day in our relationship? But Ty, magnanimously for her, is like, you're not dumb. I think something really scary happened to you and you're trying to deal with it. I get that. But Van, and then Van drops over, like, I saw something, Ty, after it happened. I don't think I was dead, but I wasn't really alive either. I think it was like in between or something. This reminds me of a similar scene in the game Dragon Age Inquisition, also between two women and also in an attic. Which is where, if you're a female elf and you're with Sarah, you have an argument as to whether the elven gods are real and shit. Yeah, it's it's good. Oh, that was it? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> don't want to go, this is not a Dragon Age podcast. Yeah. No, no, that one comes later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then Ty's like, you were in shock. And your body was, she's determined to find like a scientific explanation to everything. And then Van is like, nope, I know what I saw. I don't know what it meant. But I know I saw something. Something was out there with us and Ty at this point loses patience and it's just like okay so you had a near-death experience and now you believe in what ghosts tree demons wood sprites come on Van Jobson is like don't do that I get that you're scared too but don't act like you have any clue what's happening out here because you don't she's basically in that statement sort of saying like hey this might all be bullshit, sure, but don't act like you know what's going on either, you know? Well, yeah. And then Tyne attempting to convince her is like, Van, you believe that Sporty Spice is the most underrated Spice Girl. I cannot possibly claim to have an opinion on the matter. You believe that Scully is way too good for Mulder. Now, Matthew, you've seen the X-Files. Is Scully way too good for Mulder? Multiple times, and yes. <laughs> like physically or personality-wise? Just anything. <laughs> cool, okay. And then she's like, yeah, you do not believe in whatever this is. And Van is like, yeah, well, maybe I do. A really amazingly heartfelt expression from her as Van seems to prepare herself for the possibility of another rejection. And she's like, and if that's going to be a problem, then just say it, okay? Oh, this is Van standing up for herself and setting boundaries in her relationship. If this were in any context other than her joining a quasi-pagan murder cult, I'd be overjoyed by it, you know? But yeah, she's basically just being like, she's been a person who has been let down by a lot of people in her life. You know, her mother, presumably her father, Jackie, God, generally, Ty. <laughs> and so she's in a sense where she might get let down again, is like, I just want to get out in front of this. And if you don't want to be with me anymore, because I believe in crazy woods magic, then we're just going to fucking deal with that now and not string each other along. Pretty keen to get out of the disappointment Olympics. <laughs> Quite. But then Ty goes into panic mode and is like no no it's not we're okay we're okay okay like trying to anxiously paper over the problem with a display of affection and not actually solving the underlying issue a move straight from the justin playbook <laughs> we cut to natalie in the present the high school looking at a memorial trophy case of the team she is staring at travis's picture looking pretty devastated the camera pans around the photographs while cool unearthly dreamy music plays kevin walks up to her he says that i wish i could say i remember him better nat says they were a lot alike mm, debatable and he replies why because we both loved you 
I actually think they're pretty different dudes. Although, obviously, it's kind of unfair to compare Travis at, like, 18 to Kevin at 40 or whatever. Nat says that Travis killed himself. He really did, seeming to believe it for the first time. Uh, Kevin's date calls him away. He tells Natalie to take care of herself and says, I hope you find whatever it is you really need. I'm oh, sorry. I hope you find whatever it is you really need. <laughs> I hope so, too. And I think she will. There's a great shot of Nat standing alone in the hallway. Cut to Shauna inside the reunion while Ace of Base plays, ordering two cabernets, a beer, and a white wine spritzer. Randy appears and says, Sup, foxy lady? And Shauna amends her order to four tequila shots. Uh, Randy does tend to have that effect on people. You ever done shots? You're a big shots guy or not? Um, I have done a shot or two, but no, yeah. I, I'm not a big shots guy. I feel like it just makes you feel like your yeah. insides want to get outsides. Yeah, same. Uh, Shauna looks at him witheringly, and he surmises that Jeff did in fact tell her about the blackmail, and he instantly drops his doofy facade. And she's all like, if you ever tell anyone what the two of you did, I will fucking end you. I will end you like a pig. And if they find your body, which they won't, it won't matter, because you will be unfucking recognizable Understand? Pretty metal, hey? <laughs> Very. <laughs> so fucking metal. Randy's expression in response to this tirade seems to suggest both terror and confused arousal. <laughs> He's like, Man after your own heart. <laughs> Quiet. He's like, so you're mad then. <laughs> yeah. Ding, ding. <laughs> yes, Randy, I'm mad, she says. She explains that she cannot be mad at Jeff, so uh, he's up. He understands. I I wonder what the bartender who is, like, right there thinks of this conversation. He probably thinks, at least I'm getting paid. I'll just pretend I wasn't listening. I imagine that's a thought they have a lot. Yeah. And then is like, yeah, you're a good friend. Cut to all the yellow jackets in the past. Minus Nat and Trav, obviously, sitting down in the cabin for some bear meat. Matthew, you, as the meat eater in this podcast, would you ever try bear meat? If sure, sure, I'd try alligator, kangaroo, <laughs> you know, anything I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten rabbit, you no, know, yeah, but I've eaten duck, you know, so... What was what was duck like? Duck's good, it's a bit more gamey, which apparently yeah. a lot of people don't like, but I reasonably enjoyed it, so, you know, I can't see why not I wouldn't try others, I yeah. mean, you know... More shit has to die, but, you know, more shit has to die every day, so... That's very true. Yeah, there's there's weirdly not much bear meat on the table, and presuming they have more in storage. Shaw asks if they should wait for Natalie and Travis. How polite for a staffing person. Now, Coach says that those two have some stuff to sort out, so they can eat when they get back. Nat and Trav's absence from this scene is important. I think it would have... Everything that happens next would have turned out very differently otherwise. Van asks Lottie how she knew they wouldn't be hungry much longer last night. She simply replies that she just did. Jackie, really failing to read the room, or perhaps just not caring to, says, Yeah, it's called getting lucky. The bear probably just smelled this and came looking for food, okay? It probably had something wrong with it. Van, who is sitting in front of her, makes her Jackie is talking expression. Yeah, because like, if the bear smelled them, yeah. went towards them, yeah. That wouldn't mean that something was wrong with it. That's what it's biologically programmed to fucking do, right? Misty, yeah, as Misty comments that it didn't look sick. Is this her genuine opinion or just her trying to suck up to Lottie? Mari very reasonably says, at this point I don't even think I care. Can we just eat? But then Van asks if they should say, like, 
thanks or grace or whatever. In an important moment, Kai, after a beat, is like, yeah, let's just make it quick. Jackie sighs in a nicely over-the-top manner in response to this. Everybody joins hands, including Ty and Van, the former making, well, I guess this is happening, face. <laughs> Misty reaches out to Jackie, who does not take her hand. This is a key difference between Jackie and Ty. Man, their relationship and how it evolves in the season is an interesting one. They both think that the wilderness spirituality is a load of bunkum, but Ty is willing to go along with it because she desperately wants to keep Van on her side and she really wants to live and escape back into civilization. Thus, she doesn't want to get cast out of the group, whereas Jackie... Whereas I'm tempted to say she doesn't care about such things, but we'll get more into that later. Cut to the present, as the Divinals I Touch Myself plays at the reunion. Uh, Matthew, you big Divinals fan? I am not, but I think they're okay, aren't they? I don't they're really know. Okay. Misty refers to shots as shooters. Is that a thing? I've never heard that expression. Isn't it just shots? Yeah, you, yeah, but she refers to them as shooters. Yeah, and says that's that she, fine. Oh, that's kosher. She says she's never done them before. Kai says that if one more person tells her that she's been in their thoughts and prayers, she'll do something, presumably unpleasant, but we never find out what, because Nat interrupts her by making a toast to old friends. I think it's fair to say at this point that Nat has made a decision. And then uh, Ali, from up on the stage, requests everyone's attention, as ever. <laughs> Spent your life requesting everyone's attention. Some guy goes, boo! She responds, shut the fuck up, dog! You're a grown man! <laughs> no. I love how even she sounds like Carl from Aquatine Hunger Force. Yeah, look. <laughs> I do not have a lot of voices. <laughs> Tonya, I mean, it's, it's set in New Jersey, isn't it? He has a Jersey accent, yeah, no. Should be fine. You can like, use because call in that, for everybody. Because in that one episode, they go to the Trenton Tar Pits. Man, who's going to write that crossover? Anyway, Tonya Cornelis is so fucking good in this episode. Oh my god, this this gives me secondhand embarrassment in the extreme. And she's like, WordDefinition.net defines a reunion as a union that is happening again. I think my dad has done this format of speech before. Yep. Love you, dad. The Yellow Jackets look exasperated by this speech. Uh, Ali says that the graduates are united by something far greater than a mere high school experience. Together, we went through a tragedy. Yeah, I love that she says we. <laughs> and tonight, she says she is hopeful that they can finally heal. The Yellow Jackets team photo appears on the screen behind Ali. The survivors look understandably nervous. Only Time by Enya plays. That's the one that goes... Who can say whether or goes? And I assume it's over to me with the, the Steve Hughes <laughs> bit where he's like, How can you hate Enya? It's just fucking silence colored in. George Bush is still alive. Hate positively. <laughs> Love that guy. Hey. Also, as a, a tangential thing, retail workers out there, shout out. But yeah, um, <clears throat> I had a training session with one of my bosses recently and they kept asking all these rhetorical questions like is that going to be tedious mm. yes it is <laughs> is that a problem no it's not <laughs> it's all good because stuff anyway that reminds me of the quote in zootopia where they're like the key to being a politician is whenever someone asks you a question respond by asking another question and then answer that one and ignore the original question let me answer your question with, with a, a question. question shut, shut up, up. <laughs> Yes, a slideshow of the Yellow Jackets hanging out in school plays. Oh, this 
It's really good to me, dude. They're so cute. They look so young and innocent. They had no idea what was coming. The same song by Enya plays as we cut to the past, as Lottie leads them all in thanking the wilderness and the ancient gods of the sky and dirt for the bear. Everyone participates in this, even Ty, although she looks pretty sceptical as she does so. Everyone, that is, except Jackie. Misty points this out in a very tattletaleish way. He's like, Jackie didn't say it. Like, out. Misty, Jackie is like the least awful person to you in the group. Misty ultimately is willing to throw anyone else under the bus to save her own ass. She is loyal to the group as a group, but is happy to screw over one individual member of it. Uh, we cut back to the reunion as Ali is saying, They were our classmates, our teachers, our friends, but they were more than that. They were strong. They were courageous. They were, and they remain, true inspiration. I know that Ali's little... A double plus for the voice there. <laughs> I know that Ali's little speech was supposed to be cringy, but I have to admit it really started to get to me at the end there. She's right. They were all so young. The song ends. We cut back to the past. And I think this is the best scene of the entire season. It has some stiff competition, and I still think that episode 9 is the best episode overall. But yeah, this scene is an absolutely magnificent culmination of Shauna and Jackie's two arcs, and a fucking arrowing tour de force from both actors. And oh, it's it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Elaborating on that point now is yes. Justin over here. <laughs> yes, thank you. And she's like, no, I did not thank the dirt for bringing us a brain-dead bear. And she's like, what is even happening right now? The fuck is wrong with you all? And Ty is like, eh, it's fine, you guys. She doesn't have to say it. But Jackie interrupts her by saying, oh, shut up, Ty. Don't act like you weren't a part of it. A valid point, but if I were you, I would take the life raft being offered to you, Jackie. I wouldn't just continue stubbornly ignoring it as you drown. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, what, we're, we're just not going to talk about it? We just howl at the moon now and have fucking orgies? And somehow I'm the one who did something wrong. Amazing line read from Ben. He's just like, wait, what? <laughs> he, he doesn't he doesn't know about that. Yeah. Sean is like, Jackie, calm down. But she's like, do not tell me to calm down. Whatever she protested in the last episode, Jackie hasn't entirely fallen into apathetic nihilism. Her outrage at the group's behavior proves that. Although, in saying that, Ella Pennell, who plays Jackie, was asked in an interview if Jackie would commit cannibalism ever. She responded, Jackie in episode 2 or 3? No. Jackie in episode 9? Yeah. She would bitch about it. She would make everyone else feel really bad. And then she'd get really hungry and would just fucking go for it. Jackie in episode 10? Crickets. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what... She was not afforded the opportunity to commit cannibalism, but in desperate straits, she would. The thing is, most people want to survive, and most of us would do horrible things to survive. Absolutely. It's an unpleasant truth, but there it is. Take people suck. The fact that it would take longer for her to fall into full barbarism than the others is genuinely commendable. But it is a difference of degree, not of kind. And she's all like, what were you going to do to Travis last night, Shauna? And there's a long pause, and she's like, answer me! And then she's all like, I don't know. I, I don't remember. <laughs> Pulling the same tactic. 
kind of want to, I brought this up like a bit in the last episode. I just kind of want to get into it now. Matthew, have you heard of something called the Milgram shock experiments? Uh, is, that, is that the one where you have to administer like increasing electric yes, shocks yes, you have to another yeah. person? But, but, but it isn't real. Okay, oh, sorry, what it is. Okay, what it is. There's this dude, Milgram, in, I want to say, the 60s, got people off the streets, and they were told they were going to participate in this test. Oh, but they faked the responses, yes, yes, so yes, they yes, weren't they actually were... administering electric shocks yes, to people, yes, they because were that would be horrific. Well, yeah, well, I mean, scientists in the past did lots of horrific things, but this was not one yeah, of those never instances. never stopped them then, but, yeah. you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, they were told they would be delivering a series of harmless electric shocks to people. They, of course, weren't actually doing anything, just pressing a button. Escalate in intensity... Yeah. Not fatal, but yeah. painful. No, no, well, see, they, they were told it wouldn't even be painful. What? But well, the I, people I, start I, screaming well, I'm, out I'm, of pain. Could, could you please just let me... Sorry. <laughs> Cut, launch. Okay. Well, they, they were told in the experiment they were going to be giving a fellow person a series of electric shocks, but they wouldn't be more than slightly painful. Okay, so that, that's, that's what they expected. But of course, they weren't actually doing anything. They were just pressing a button that wasn't connected to anything. And then the guy was just acting to act like he was being shocked. So he would press the button and start out, everything's fine. Then gradually he would start going like, and feeling more pain. And the final one, he was like, looking like he was almost about to pass out. And the people were like, what, you said they weren't going to feel anything. And all the leader of the experiment could do is say, the experiment must continue. He wasn't allowed to threaten or cajole or physically force anything. All he could do was say, the experiment must continue. And guess what? Like ninety percent of people did it. Yeah, because the authority the figure exactly. is saying you got to keep pressing them buttons, bro. As human beings, we're a lot people more... scream out yeah. in terrifying exactly, pain. Exactly, exactly. I don't want to press that next button, man. The experiment must continue. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll press the fucking button. Sorry, guy. No, ex ex exactly. We're a lot more malleable to the will of some strong authority figure than we like to think. And again, that's a person who's plucked off the street of their nice, comfortable life. It's not a person who's severely starving, traumatized, and mentally ill, and under the influence of mind-altering substances. Yeah, if you can watch this episode... Were they even paying these guys? Oh, quite. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I don't want to get dark, but if you watch this episode and think, well, I would never do, I would never try to murder someone if I was in Shauna's position, how do you know? Yeah, exactly, you mightn't have ever been in that position. Yeah. Well... Almost everyone hasn't. Well, yeah, but yeah. how can you be sure? You know, there are De Jeffrey Dahmer's out there. There, there are. are. People with Mercedes's <laughs> that run people over anyway. Quite. Anyway, Jackie is all like, you had a knife to his throat. If we hadn't come, you would have killed him. Phrasing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sean was like, shut up. Just none of this would have happened if it wasn't for you. If you hadn't. And Jackie's like, hadn't what? Stolen him? Wow, the irony. Van, who, like Ty and Ben, is finding out about the whole murder thing for the first time, is looking at Ty like, uh, babe, what the fuck are they talking about? But Ty is too busy looking at Jackie disapprovingly, because she knows what she's about to do. Jackie's all like, Shauna was fucking Jeff behind my back. You know that? That's who's really responsible for her little bundle of joy. Mari and Ty are scowling at Jackie in a, are we supposed to give a shit way? <laughs> and indeed, Jackie, I don't want to sound unsympathetic, but your teammates have been starving in the woods for months, have watched their friends die, 
get impaled on bits of plane, get impaled on trees, explode, get their limbs hacked off, get mauled by wolves, and have horrific facial surgery without anaesthetic. Do you really expect them, after all that, to give a shit that your boyfriend was cheating on? Not even a little bit, Justin. Not even a tiny little bit. Well, white, <laughs> my, as my point, yeah, like, don't get me wrong, that would truly suck. I just think you got to know your audience a bit better. Exactly. As a side note, I think it's very important in this scene that Jackie is wearing the Yellow Jackets uniform, and she's the only one who is, because she's still trapped back in high school. And Sean is all like, it was you. You read my journal. And Jackie's like, how could you? Great outrage, Jackie line. You were my best friend. You, you don't even like him. And then Sean is like, and how would you know? And with that line, everything comes flooding out. Now, I'm just going to block quote this entire argument. In fact, Matthew, I was thinking we could read this argument, you and I. Do some uh, drama. Is that okay? Oh, uh, what, we take turns yes. or something? Yes, yes. You want me to come to oh, no, you? No, no, I, I was going to come to you. All right, I'll stay here. So at least I could do. <laughs> so uh, so uh, do, do you want to be Jackie or Shauna? Uh, well, they're not labels. No, but you'll know which one. Oh, how? Okay, I'll just, I'll just label them now. <laughs> okay, we're done. We're done. We've labeled everything. Which do you want to be? Okay. And how would you know? You're so obsessed with yourself, I'm surprised you're aware other people even exist. <laughs> you know, you've never even asked if I want to go to Rutgers. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what that is. You did great. Anyway, you just assumed I'd go wherever you wanted. You tell me what to wear, what to do, who to hook up with. I don't even like soccer. But you just get everything you want all the time like it's nothing. And the rest of us, we're just extras in the movie of your fucking life. Oh my god, you're such a cliche. Oh, is, is the sad little sidekick mad? Did I force you to live in my shadow, Shauna? It must be hard being this jealous all the time. What? You're so fucking jealous of me, you can barely breathe. Are you quoting beaches at me right now? What? No. I'm so not jealous of you, Jackie. I feel sorry for you because you're weak. And I think that deep down, you know it. I'm sure everyone back home is so fucking sad to be losing their perfect little princess. <laughs> But they'll never know how tragic and boring and insecure you really are. Or how high school was the best your life is ever going to get. Fuck you. I said, you know what? That's it. That's it. Get out. Go on. Get out. No. I can't be around you. I can't even fucking look at you right now. Well, that sounds like your problem. So maybe you should leave. Maybe you'd be better off. Since we're all so crazy. Okay, everybody, just stop. Nobody is going outside. Stay out of it, coach. You know what? You know what? Fine. Uh, come on, don't go outside. Don't pretend like this isn't what you wanted the entire fucking time. I don't even know who you are anymore. Oh, maybe you never did. Okay, great job, everyone. I think, I think we did very well at that. Well, Good job, well, Matthew. We got, we got the stuff. You'll have to edit it, but, you know, <laughs> meh. I think for completely springing that on you, you did an amazing job.
Oh, Actually, I think you did an amazing job without any qualifiers. Yay! Okay. Yeah, just that scene is so good. They, they both hit it out of the park. It's just a great culmination of their arcs. I love that it even manages to pay off the Ty-Jackie leadership conflict where Ty is like, please don't leave. I still find you annoying, but you don't want to start worshipping trees, so you're okay in my book. You don't want to start worshipping trees. Well, she doesn't. But yeah, I just, I just love that, like... Shauna is absolutely throwing all of her resentments that have probably been building up for like over a decade yeah, yeah. out in that single conversation and they just yeah it all comes out it ends up having some pretty tragic consequences yeah one of them dies <laughs> we cut to the present Allie is still presenting her awful slideshow she has paused on an image of Jackie she invites Jeff and Shauna up to the stage to dance in front of the others which reminds me of the David Mitchell quote where he's like People who like to dance have the persistent belief that people who don't like to dance secretly want to dance. I assure you, we do not. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, yeah. Ali says that this is what Jackie would have wanted. I wonder if it is. You, you want to make a break for it? Jeff asks her. Uh, Ty is skeptically clapping at this development. Kiss from a Rose is playing again. Ah, remember that from the previous episode? As a confetti cannon goes off, showering the both of them in its bounty. The camera orbits them as Jeff asks if Shauna disposed of the body. And she says, I think the less you know about it, the better. And he's like, you know, I think we're going to be all right. Aw, cute. <laughs> Naivete! Yeah. <laughs> cute. Cut back to the woods. Jackie has gathered a bunch of sticks and is preparing to make a fire. She looks fairly out of place there. We cut shots of the janitor sweeping up the place after the reunion. People driving home on the interstate. Misty arrives back in her basement, and Jessica asks how the reunion was. She's all like, we did shots. <laughs> or shooters, as, as Misty yeah, would refer to them. Shooters. And Jessica's like, ooh, sounds pretty wild. Misty brags about how everyone wanted to talk to us, presumably a rare occasion for her. And Misty's like, it really showed me how people want, no, need to hear my story. <laughs> we should use that one in general conversation more like, Matthew, I want... No, need those kettle chips you're eating. <laughs> I know, you are already eating them, but I need them. <laughs> and Jessica's like, but I'm still strapped to a bed here, so I'm guessing there's a butt coming. Phrasing? There you go, say the line, Matthew. <laughs> As I wrote that in script, I'm like, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. <laughs> and he did. Misty asks, how does she know that the second she lets Jessica go, Jessica isn't going to go to the police? And then she's like, Misty, do you know what I do for a living? I'm a fixer. I clean up messes for the rich and powerful. It's fucking disgusting work. I'd say it was soul-crushing if I remembered what it was like to have one. And honestly, the kind of money we're talking about here, even my little slice of it, I have done a lot of things that I cannot forget or undo, but at least I'd be able to stop adding to the list. So if you think this little stay here at the Caligula Inn is enough for me to make me rethink our partnership, you haven't got to know me at all. This is definitely BS. Like, She's just like tough people talking. Yeah, yeah. Like they would, they would put out the book, and she would get her money and like buy a house, and she would be like, "By the way, this lady kidnapped me, and she should go to jail." <laughs> she would do that after she'd got all the money out of her. Yeah, yeah. Misty unchains her. Cut to Ty at her campaign office, full of volunteers bustling about, as she receives a call from Simone. The latter apologizes for not coming to the reunion. She is calling to let Ty know that she'll be swinging by the house later tonight to pick up some stuff for Sammy. Ty says she won't be there because she has to be with her staff when they announce the results. 
before realising that Simone doesn't actually want her to be there. Apparently, she thinks it'll be easier for Sammy this way. Ty wants to talk to Sammy, but he's on a play date with a kid named Elvis. How nice! In my head, this child is the son of Asian Elvis from the show Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> uh, Ty's all like, I love you, Simone. She responds, I'll call you tomorrow. Ouch. <laughs> as much as I love and sympathize with Ty, Simone is pretty justified in wanting to get the fuck away from him. Uh, we cut to Misty and Jessica. The former has parked Jessica's car out front and topped up her gas tank and wiper fluid. How considerate. Hmm, hope there's not an ulterior motive yeah. for doing all those nice things. Quite. Jessica complains that Misty has thrown out her cigarettes. Do you have any idea how bad those things are for you? She complains. Somehow I don't think Jessica does. Valid rebuttal would be, do you have any idea how addictive those yeah. things are? That's I want them. The Give thing. them to me now. Yeah. Misty digs, said Sigs, out of the trash and gives them to her. Yeah. She's like, what's that? Dr. Phil? Oprah? And then... Jessica's all like, oh, let me worry about that. Just start thinking about who you want to play you in the movie. Missy suggests Meryl Screep, Scarlett Johansson, and the lady in that thing about those rich ladies who killed the guy. Also, I love how you misspoke and said Meryl Screep. <laughs> That's what she would be called in the Bojack Horseman universe. They were yeah, like alongside Quentin Tarantulino and Judge Clooners. <laughs> And if Elle Fanning was on that show, she'd be named Eel Fanning. Wasn't there also a bit in that show that was just like, um, isn't it dumb that we keep referring to people's actual names yeah. as animal names? Somebody actually just says, George Clooney is like, wait, do you mean George Clooners? And he's like, I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> not, not a bad show. Not a bad show. Anyway, yeah. Jessica lights up and drives away. Cool, unearthly music plays as she does so. Cut to the past. Jackie is failing to start a fire even with a lighter. In her defence, it's getting pretty cold. Shauna looks out the window at her, but Jackie doesn't see her. I think if Jackie had just seen Shauna looking at her and seen that she still cared, that might have been enough to make her want to come inside. A lot of things had to happen for what happened to happen. Nat is like, oh, he, he might be at the cabin. And then Travis is like, no, something happened last night. And Nikki again says, I don't want your help barely keeping it together my main complaint with this episode is that nat and trav in the past get shortchanged they just have a couple of like well acted but fairly perfunctory exchanges they don't really have an arc in this episode per, per se ultravox's vienna starts playing as the scene intercuts with modern nat cleaning her hotel room preparing for something they both start crying in the past nat looks in the present at the crime scene photos of travis he can officially no longer keep up his act of douchebaggery. The dam bursts and his genuine emotions leak out. And Travis all like, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to. I fucking love you, Natalie. Again, they're both great in this scene. I just wish they had a little more to do. The season ends with them, despite the problems they had faced and the issues that they had encountered and obstacles they will still face because ultimately okay do you remember the daria episode where kevin breaks up with Brittany and then she's like i'm still his first you can't take that away from me and some random girl is like i can <laughs> that's basically like the travis nat and jackie thing where is this person stupider than Brittany? <laughs> 
I think they were implying that they were a person who had had sex with him previously, not that they have like a time machine or something. Take away the no, first. no. But what if they were the first? <laughs> then you don't take it away. It just didn't exist the way the other person thought. <laughs> yes, but she, <laughs> oh, she can sorry. take away Brittany's belief that she was his first. Yeah. Uh, okay, whatever. But yeah, just, what? It's the similar thing with Nat, Travis, and Jackie. Because like the Nat and Trav relationship no matter what they do and how much they love each other, they will always have Jackie hanging over them because she is the one that took his virginity, not Nat. But yeah, they, they recommit to each other, which I think is good. And I think they're definitely going to need each other going forward. <laughs> we cut to Jessica in the present, driving, looking even worse. She pulls over and starts breathing heavily because uh, a brief flashback reveals that Misty poisoned her cigs with Fenty. Ah, she drugged a drug. It double-drugged. Double-drugged it. Yeah, damn, Misty ain't fucking about. Matthew, do you think she was genuinely giving Jessica the chance to get away, or if she hadn't asked for her cigs, she would have just killed her some other way? Definitely that second Yeah, one. yeah, me too. I, I think so. Like, she would have sniped her or something. Something. Which would have been fucking awesome, yeah. She's got ways, man. She, not to defend, you know, murder, but I think Misty was right not to take Jessica at her word. As I've said, she might not have gone to the cops immediately, but she might have later or she might have called out a hit on her or something so yeah series wrap on jessica r.i.p reka sharma is great i hope she can show up as a ghost or hallucination or something in the future right. two jeff and shauna curled up on the couch watching tv they're really cute together now shauna opines that they should get a cat i think cats are underrated they're a fair amount of work and then jeff is like i hope this cat behaves itself or it'll wind up in the chili pot <laughs> <laughs> and then shauna's like it's cute in an affectionate way they both laugh as Callie walks in weirded out by her parents displaying affection to one another they invite her to join them and she says she has trig homework and this is weird she says but Jeff says that it can wait and she ultimately acquiesces this scene is cute a news bulletin comes on the television saying that the results in Ty's senate race will be announced soon they start counting them as soon as possible like they're announced on the night generally like they voted yesterday what is the Let's not nitpick. I imagine that 538, in the 538 podcast episode, Nate's probably being like, you know, statistically, being accused of cannibalism doesn't actually hurt candidates in the polls. <laughs> and, and then Galen is probably like, Nate, does that happen that often? He's like, yeah, it's happened more often than you think, Galen. <laughs> Which Nate, is at least once. <laughs> yeah, Nate is probably getting into arguments with people on Twitter right now who are trying to, like, put tie in their snake draft for the 2024 Democratic primary. I think he's he's probably pretty bearish on her, no pun intended. Yeah. I think I get it. <laughs> you get it, yeah. Ty's aide calls her over to the crowd. Ty joins them at the office watching the TV. The newsman says that, based on the numbers coming in, the race is a good deal closer than anyone anticipated. Hmm. Yeah, polling error happens, particularly in, in state races. State races are particularly prone to polling error. And especially when they count, you know, dongs as digits <laughs> anyway cut to adult nat sitting on the bed her gun in her lap her phone is ringing but she doesn't answer pretty bleak circumstances yeah a rough scene is coming up cut back to the past jackie is shivering out in the cold shauna is watching her from the attic ty tells her to go talk to her another piece of good advice she's given her but shauna is just too damn stubborn to do so uh, too stubborn, too proud, as Dawood Warnsby would say. It cut to modern Shauna, Jeff, and Callie. 
watching TV together. Callie expresses incredulity that commercials still exist. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm right with the... Yeah, you know, te- television commercials, I mean. I'm sure she scrolls past a lot of ads on TikTok or whatever. Uh, Jeff says, you know, I'm in a commercial, right? Oh, fuck, I want to see that. <laughs> that would make a great DVD extra. This pleasant revelry is interrupted by a news bulletin announcing Adam's disappearance. Dun, dun, dun. Callie sees his picture and makes meaningful eye contact with Shauna. Oh, man, there's going to be so much juicy family drama, or fam dram, if you will, in season two. Jeff must be suspecting that this is the guy. You know, like, he's got to be putting it together. Anyway, anyway. Okay. Oh, fuck me, dude. The final ten minutes of this episode are fucking insane. They are absolutely bollocks to the wall. Simone and Sammy return home. She tells him to go to his room and grab some stuff. Simone is going down to the basement. This scene intercuts with Ty and her team eagerly awaiting the final results at the campaign headquarters. Simone discovers a trail of blood leading to a secret room in the basement. I wouldn't go in there myself, but she does. If I discovered a secret room in my basement with a trail of blood leading to it, I'd be like, okay, I'm calling a handyman. I mean, like, first of all, you'd be like, I didn't even know I had a well, basement, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of in the, you know, classic work of art, Yuru Yuri, the character of Chinatsu is hiding in the cupboard, and as an excuse for this, she's like, oh, I thought it was my turn to feed the ducks, but then I remembered we don't have any ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Great fucking show. <laughs> there's, there's, there's also the episode, that is my explanation yeah. for why I'm in the there's, there's the episode where they're doing like the Christmas play and all of the main characters play an elf that has a certain identity and the character of Akarin, her elf persona is remarkably unremarkable elf. <laughs> I'm so unremarkable, that in itself is remarkable. Yeah, that's there's, there's like the David Mitchell bit about one's appearance being not noteworthy but not so not noteworthy as to become noteworthy his example of which is a gray tie anyway a trail of blood secret room the news reporter says that ty has won she looks shocked and her team cheers uh he says that she is the first black lady state senator from new jersey not true at all that actually was winona lipman in 1971 shout out winona hope you're having a good time up there Suspenseful music plays as Simone discovers a fucked up altar with Biscuit's dismembered head and heart. Ah! Yeah, R.I.P. Biscuit. Series wrap on Biscuit. You remember previously in the episode she had that bite mark, Ty had that bite mark on her hand after she woke up in the tree. I do. And we were like, she bit herself, right? No, that was Biscuit. So the dog bit her. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. And she, in her state of craziness, just murdered him murdered and made the, the altar out of it. and then yeah. went and sat in the tree. Okay. I am so fucking excited for this storyline season two. Ty, after we see this, we cut to her in slow motion reacting to her win as everybody cheers and applauds around her. She smiles evilly and sexily. And somewhere in the world, a cool, scarred-up redhead in a log cabin played by Lauren Ambrose is watching this and thinks, okay, that's my cue. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the storyline I'm most excited to see in season two. Anyway. Cut to Natalie loading the gun, preparing to shoot herself in the head. This is really fucking sad, dude. Like, Natalie was pretty clearly in a dark place even at the start of this season, trying to reconnect with Travis and later trying to solve his murder was something that she could live for, but now she seems to have accepted the idea that he has killed himself, and now she's just decided that she's going to die. 
which is very sad. Yeah, she's a bit depressed. Put it mildly. She's about to shoot herself. That is fucking sad. We cut to the past. Jackie is miserably curled up in a blanket around her meager fire. Shauna appears beside her and says that she is sorry, and tells Jackie to come inside. She wordlessly acquiesces as the fire burns low. The members of the team are all lined up and smiling at her. Akila puts another blanket on Jackie as she sits in front of the fire. A rather creepy expression-having Lottie offers Jackie some hot chocolate, and Jackie's all like, how did you get this? And Shauna's like, doesn't matter. And then she's like, it's fine. It's all going to be fine. I love you, Jackie. Everybody is like, we all love you, Jackie, in unison. That's what she wanted to hear. That's all she ever wanted to hear. Fuck. <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, so, sorry, that was more... No, no, it's just... Yeah, it's fine. Shauna is like, you're the best friend I've ever had. You know that, right? Which is also what Jackie says to Shauna in the pilot, but she didn't say it back. The music tones more sinister as Jackie sees Laura Lee, who says, it's not as bad as you thought, is it? The camera pans over to reveal a creepy-looking, like, 30-something dude who I think it is acceptable at this point to reveal is Cabin Guy. That's the corpse in the attic. And he says... So glad you're joining us, Jackie. We've been waiting for you. Jackie looks confused, and Shauna wakes up. Was was this Jackie's dream or Shauna's? Was it a shared dream? Mm. She hears the wind howling. She looks out the window to find that the snow has fallen. She goes, no, and runs outside. Everybody else is waking up. Shauna runs over to Jackie, who's just like covered in snow, wrapped up in her blanket, and runs over and like holds her and tries to shake her awake. But it's too late. She's dead. Sean is like screaming and crying and like yelling at her to wake up, but she cannot. Ty, everybody runs out onto the deck and is watching them. Horrified expressions. Ty runs over and like desperately holds onto Shauna, just trying to like physically provide some slightest meager of comfort in this horrible, in this horrible day. Yeah. R.I.P. Jackie. Jackie is dead. The thing, nobody had the attention for her to die, but out in the wilds, the, we can happen. the weather can change in an instant. Mm. But yeah, I, well, yeah, Jackie had her flaws. I don't think she deserved to die as she did. I don't think she deserved that. And I think, and I wish that she had been given the opportunity to, to live her life and to prove Shauna wrong that her life did not peak in high school and she could have gone on to do great things and she could have found another way to feel and she could have found new things and people and ideas and tasks and concepts that would have filled up the emptiness inside her i really wish she could have but she yeah can't. but as a side note yes you know how with hypothermia <clears throat> yeah apparently you're supposed to strip off all your clothes and run out of yeah. the snow yeah. because you feel I, I, euphorically I she, warm or I, I think right? she like Died in her sleep. Yeah, that, that doesn't kick in if you're already asleep, right? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't kick in if you're asleep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it really, they should have like immediately dragged her inside and put her by the fire because there's an old saying: "You're not dead until you're warm and dead." Lol. <laughs> it's it's pretty clear. It's pretty easy to Monday morning quarterback. It's very easy to yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is why Shauna feels so fucking guilty in the present because she is at least one of the main somewhat 
See, that's the thing. I, I don't want to go too hard on saying that the group is responsible for Jackie's death because they didn't really force her out. She tried to force Shauna out. And, and that uh, is like, hey, man, if it's one of us going yeah, out of yeah. this room, it's going to be and you. And everybody agrees. <laughs> and, like, multiple people told her to not do it. So, like, mm. it maybe doesn't reflect well on them, particularly on Coach Ben, that they didn't come and get her. Yeah, like, after Coach Ben was like, yeah. hey, maybe we don't do that, you know, she's and, been and, like... And yeah, dumb and, idea, and tie. Just sit in the corner. Yeah, 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 no, but, like, okay, I'll put it this way. I think a morally better group of people would have gone out and retrieved her but i don't think the fact that they didn't makes them in and of itself bad people they're all exhausted they need their yeah. sleep yeah it's a complicated situation mm. this scene is the perfect end to jackie's arc because the entire first season is about how she fails to adapt in the wilderness she fails to keep control of the group and how her and shauna's friendship falls apart and in such circumstances an argument like that can have deadly consequences. It was the thing that just, I think, really impacted me on this rewatch is that it was just such a stupid fucking waste. They had meat, you know, there was no need for this to happen. Yeah, she didn't like need to die, but, you know, like you said, she basically got there because, you know, she had foot lives in mouth disease. I sympathize. But yeah, RIP Jackie. I hope you get to have a nice pink and green colored room in the afterlife but yeah I, I hope we get ghost jackie in future it would be a shame to waste ella Pennell's considerable talent although ella Pennell will be playing the lone wanderer in the fallout tv series oh, there's gonna be a fallout tv series there is yeah yeah oh dear so yeah i'll be very interested to see her you know shooting a bunch of people with a mr gutsy or whatever thoughts do you think it's going to be good i think it's one of those things where like it's a wide open enough universe that you could, there are so many different stories you could pursue. They're like, it could be really good or really bad. I don't really have a read on it. Yeah, right let's now. hope they pick a good one. Whereas the, not to get out of topic, oh, actually not off topic, but The Last of Us TV show is coming out soon. I've heard, I've heard about that. I hear good things about it. Uh, Melanie Linsky is going to be in it uh -huh. as one of the, like, I think, like Firefly's leader people. That makes sense. Yeah, and the thing that makes me feel positively about it is that it's some of the episodes are directed by uh, Kantemir Balogoch, who did the movie... Uh, Can you say that again in English? Kantemir Balogoch. Okay. He's, he's a Russian bloke, but he's thankfully fled Russia now. And yeah, yeah, he directed the movie Beanpole, which is fucking fantastic. That one. Yeah, it's so good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I hope The Last of Us TV show is good, because those are some of my favourite games of all time. But yeah. Anyway, cut away from Jackie. To Nat, about to shoot herself. Yeah, this is not what you'd call a cheery end to an episode. And she's about to do so when a loud knock on the door interrupts her as a group of weird-looking people in athleisure outfits burst in and grab her. And they bundle her into a van as she keeps screaming like, it's kind of awesome. Her phone continues to ring as this happened. The mysterious invaders are wearing necklaces of the symbol from the woods. As Nat is being kidnapped, the voicemail she received from Suze plays. And she goes, Natalie, fucking call me, goddammit. What the hell have you gotten into? Look, I did what you asked. I dug into Travis's bank account and I figured out who emptied it. I think someone's following me. And now, for the line that absolutely fucking rips ass and that blew my mind the first time I watched this episode. Who the fuck is Lottie Matthews? Ah, 
Lottie is fucking alive and she's still leading the cult. Ah! Cannot wait to see the amazing Simone Castle as Madness. Well. Exactly. Fuck me. This, this is such a good reveal. It's so good. Like, it gets you so excited for the next season. It expands the world of the show so well. Ah, it's really great. Okay, on the on downside, Nat got kidnapped. On the bright side, she didn't kill herself. And now she has something to live for, namely kicking some cultist ass. And on the other bright side, we know that she lives, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that maybe Lottie will be like, Dot Lottie will be like, why do you think you get to kill yourself? Your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the woods. <laughs> it belongs to the mysterious Tree spirits, cult yeah. entity. You, you are allowed to die when I say you can, and not one second earlier. But yeah, I think that is what... Or maybe it'll be totally different to that. I don't know, which is so interesting. But yeah, can't wait to see that season as well. I can't wait to see Nat kick some cultist ass. Cut to the past for the final scene of the season. This is the first ever scene of Lottie in the past where we know her survival is guaranteed. And in that light, it has a very different feel. Still wearing her ethereal white dress, she walks through a snow-blanketed forest, carrying the bear's heart in her hands. See, this is the scene with the bear's heart. She mm -hmm. places it in a tree stump. Hollowed out tree stump. Yes, yes. The cool chanting music that sounds like the song The Night We Met by Lord Huron plays like... <laughs> Lottie is flanked on either side by Van and Misty. An interesting contrast between the former's genuine wholehearted belief and the latter's desperate opportunism. They kneel in prayer. Lottie says a... Versez les sons, mes beaux amis. Which means... Spill the blood, my beautiful friends. And then she says, And let the darkness set us free. The camera pans up as badass electric guitar music plays. And that's it. The final scene of the final episode of season one. Matthew, my dear friend, we did it. Hey! The ultimate scene of the ultimate episode. Exactly, not penultimate, <laughs> ultimate, ultimate. Ultimate, we have, ultimate. We've officially made it through the entire season. Great episode. I think I appreciate it more in a rewatch. Great season. I mean, I'll have another episode where I go through my season in review, but yeah, I'm feeling pretty great about this season, about our decision, well, my decision to do this podcast, <laughs> and about season two. So yeah, Matthew, I just want to say, I really appreciate you doing this with me all this time and taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, tell me with that. And you, I could not have asked for a better co-host. Oh, thank you for having me. It's um, great to be had. Uh, shout out, I should say, uh, not by name because she would prefer to remain anonymous, but shout out to our magnificent logo designer and the person who studiously listens to all the episodes despite not having watched the show. Um, I'm, I hope our descriptions were entertaining for you. And now I would just like to give a shout out to every single country that has ever listened to our show. Oh, individually? Uh, yeah, individually. There's there's quite a few of them. Let me just get them up. Shout out to our listeners in the USA, Australia, Canada, UK, Ireland, Turkey, Belgium, New Zealand, Spain, Brazil, Indonesia, Philippines, Portugal, Malta, Argentina, France, Germany, Netherlands, Norway, Peru, Russia, Thailand, and Sweden. So yeah, 23 countries in all. We, we absolutely love and appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much for sticking with us throughout this crazy ride. Uh, yeah, and if you have enjoyed our season, or even if you have some constructive criticism, which is also really good, why not shoot us a review? 
on on iTunes or another podcast app of your choice. Uh, that helps us in the rankings, and we're always looking for feedback on what we're doing well on how we can improve. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very briefly, I want to shout out some other Yellow Jackets podcasts that I love. Um, I think these are like bigger names than us. So if you've heard of us, you've almost certainly heard of them. But just in case you haven't, I'll go through them. Uh, Yellow Jackets Buzz, featuring uh, Glenn Rubenstein and Issa, couple of great guys. They're very good at having an in-depth look at the episodes, and they're very interesting. The one of the hosts is the chap who did the Lonely Girl vlog series. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I'd recommend that one. A uh, Blood Hive, great comedic leading one, hosted by uh, Kelly Anakin. She has a different guest every episode. There's a lot of great variety in that. is extremely funny. Uh, the Antler Queens, great, great podcast. Those guys are really good for your sort of intense, deep dives on theories and characters. Uh, no Book Club, if you like hearing non-North American accents in your Yellow Jackets podcast, that's another great one. Those dudes are from Birmingham, I think, and they're also really funny and great. Love them. And yeah, really important fictional things. Another great podcast covered Yellow Jackets, and that's great for another sort of like casual off-the-cuff style similar to us so check out all of those if you haven't already now it's a big wait for the second season so i thought i would just share some recommendations for other shows uh the terror matthew we've both seen that great show good show similar themes brutality cannibalism mysticism violence really good great storytelling great storytelling uh servant very emotive i've i've started watching the show servant that uh, lauren ambrose is the main character of because she will be playing adult van next season. I want to catch up on her back catalogue. It's it's good. Some parts of it strain credulity, but it's good. The It's directed by M. Night Shyamalan, if that gives you an idea. It's this lady, this family, uh, their infant dies, so they're given like a, a doll to replace it. But the wife comes to think that it's actually real. And then randomly one day, the doll is replaced by an actual baby, and the husband is like, what the fuck is going on? That would be a bit alarming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good show. Six Feet Under, also featuring a young Lauren Ambrose. Just, in general, an amazing show. I'm currently on season two of that. I've also heard of It's amazing. amazing show. It is. If it keeps up this level of quality, it will easily be in, like, my top five or ten. I've never watched any, but I have heard it is reliably well good. It is. Uh, Halt and Catch Fire, another great show about folks trying to invent the first computer. That's not really thematically that similar to Yellow Jackets. It's just it was also done by Jonathan Lisko, who is one of the co-showrunners, and it's great. Books. Books. Uh, the People in the Trees about people stranded in a strange woods environment you didn't give me a bit to say shows oh sorry maybe we'll just do it at the do, end do, 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 do you have any shows yeah well i feel like i should recommend that I watch metalocalypse <laughs> for sure to do my duty watch metalocalypse watch xavier renegade angel while you're at it yeah maybe, maybe the first one more than the second one but you know anything else do as you will anything else Okay, well, think of that while I list some books. So yeah, uh, The People in the Trees, one of my favorite books of all time, a story of exploitation of native peoples in an environment. It's only like tangentially related to Yellow Jackets, but you should just read it because it's amazing. Uh, Lord of the Flies, it's kind of a no-brainer, we'll have to cover that one. And Under the Jaguar Sun by Italo Calvino is a rather interesting short story that covers similar territory to this show, shall we say. And I'll say no more than that. Uh, and in terms of movies, uh, House... A horror movie featuring also, like this show, teenage girls with different personalities trapped in a hostile environment with evil witches, magic, mysticism, and cannibalism. Uh, Ravenous is uh, starring Guy Pearce, a period dark comedy about an insane cannibal cult. And uh, The Neon Demon, just see that movie. Speaks for itself. Great fucking movie. <laughs> it's nightmarishly disgusting, but still see it. Heavenly Creatures, again, self-explanatory. Millennium's Key is amazing. And in terms of Karen Kusama's work, yeah, definitely check out 
destroyer the invitation and Jennifer's body. And uh, how about Chucky and Old Boy? Just yes, it's amazing. yes. It, it's not real. Just just watch Old Boy anyway, and also watch Sympathy for Lady Vengeance and Sympathy for Mister Vengeance. Just because Park Chan Wook knocks it out of the goddamn park. Does he ever? <laughs> okay. Unless you have any more recommendations. Uh, you know, just chuck in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes, yes. <laughs> Even if people don't do drugs, it doesn't mean they can't enjoy that movie. Indeed. Okay. And also the book. Yeah, and the book. Okay. So after this episode, we are now switching to a monthly schedule. So not going to be as frequent until the new season starts up. In terms of upcoming episodes, it's going to be fairly standard stuff. When we have a trailer, we'll do an analysis of that. Uh, predictions and our extremely goofy idea for an episode is the pop culture events that the yellow jackets missed and okay if i'm not very much mistaken that is us done with this episode and with the season matthew thank you very much for taking this journey with me thank you as well it was ultimate very much us. and uh with that let us say goodbye listeners be well and remember we might be a bit closer, but we're still not out of the woods yet. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.